Sports Show presents House of Rugby. Hello, my name is Maud Thrasenigul and you're all very welcome to House of Rugby, our first podcast of 2024. And I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Brent Pope and Lindsay Pete to look back at the festive interprose and to look ahead to European action. Brent, Lindsay, Happy New Year. How are you both feeling eight days into 2024? I'm good, optimistic. Me and Brent colour coordinated and we didn't even exactly. speak. We Lovely, even I, I didn't get that text. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to stand out in other ways. <laughs> you just had to tell us you ate cake all Christmas and I'm not sure you did. <laughs> the flexi pants are on today. <laughs> so, Lindsay, we'll start things by looking back at the Interpros. It feels like a long time ago now, but what stood out for you and what did we learn from those games apart from the rain in Ireland is really, really wet. Oh God, uh, the weather was atrocious to be honest. It did not make for good watching as a spectator, but like when you're a player and you just need to get through it. Um, there'll be some provinces happy, happier than others. Do you know, obviously first round, I thought Munster-Leinster battle, it didn't shy away from the nitty gritty and, and the battle that it always is, but it wasn't a spectacle by any stretch of the imagination. And um, what I was impressed with from that match was how Leinster managed the game, their physicality. They really brought the fight to Munster. They put them under pressure. They won penalties. And instead of maybe kicking to just be ruthless and, and kind of go for the juggler, they took their penalties and kind of chipped away. Um, there was a late change, I think, at nine. And I thought Luke McGraw was a bit rusty, um, but the weather conditions didn't mm-hmm. make it. And I, I think, again... No more in the first round match with those two teams. I think Leinster left behind some scores. But look, they got over the line. They weren't as lucky against Ulster. They were penalised and kind of ran out of time. And I've been the one harping on about Ulster, Ulster, Ulster. Come on, they've gotten two good wins. And yeah. out of all the provinces, they'll probably be the happiest coming through uh, that Christmas period. Yeah, it was a happy Christmas for um, for Ulster, as you said, two wins for them, one for Leinster and Connacht, but Munster were beaten in both games against Leinster and Connacht. Um, anything in particular stand out to you, Brent? No, I think so. I, I, I sort of move on to the to the next set of games last week because it's just about hard to remember the game back mm. for the Leinster-Munster game. But I agree, I think that it was an old-fashioned arm wrestle, the Leinster-Munster one around Christmas time. It's always difficult for both sides, but... A messy game, and then we moved on to the Ulster one-point win against Connacht. I thought Connacht really played pretty well away, uh, but unlucky, I suppose, to lose that match by by a single point. And then we move on to the following weekend, which was just as weather-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first game, Munster obviously took on more injury problems. We'll talk about that a bit later. I mean, you know, they've just about got two squads out now. You know, so how they can even compete this weekend in the Champions Cup it, it remains to be seen. But uh, then we move on from that match. I thought Connacht deserved that. And then we come to the Ulster-Leinster game, which really, I was sat up on the couch. I had the flu all over Christmas. So I was watching that match. I thought, oh, it's going to be the same as the first match because the weather condition was so bad. And then suddenly, what, Ulster scored three tries before you knew it, or two tries before you knew it. And I think they showed the way forward for other teams in Europe to play Leinster. And that's been the talking point about Leinster's defence. I don't quite see it that way. I think that it was, you know conditions or whatever and, and, and Burns had a good game good kicking game mm-hmm. but I think it's the timely wake up call that Leinster need every year and I think that um, as Lindsay said I think it, it gives Ulster real confidence on those two wins uh, to go on there in the Champions Cup this weekend against Toulouse and I think uh, they're in a good place so two good report cards for two teams not so good for, for unfortunately for Ulster uh, for Munster and for Connacht 
Yeah, looking at that Ulster um, win in the RDS, they beat Leinster 22-21. And as Brent said there, Billy Burns' kicking was exceptional and they showed a way to get behind this rush defence that Leinster have and maybe a blueprint there for other teams. But were you impressed by their overall performance and Billy Burns, how difficult is it to do what he did in those conditions? Well, I'm going to quickly, if nobody minds, come back on a point that Brett made. I think uh, Connacht did play well in patches against Ulster away. Mm. However, there was uh, moments for me that again crept up that really are the Achilles heel for Ulster. Now they managed to get over the line against Connacht. So they were 17-7 up with 50 minutes ago. <laughs> then all of a sudden it's like they switch off. They're in discipline. Jack Carthy's kicking to the corner. Um, they're getting penalties. Jacob Stockdale misses a, a tackle on Shane Bolton. Seamus... Um, Early Langton. Seamus Hurley Langton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hurley Langton gets in in the corner and it's like they switch off and their indiscipline comes back in and they were far superior in that game. They were really, have, uh, they really won the physicality up front. They scored early on. They scored close tries. And again, they start Jake Flannery at 10 with Cooney and then they go back to Billy Burns at 10 against Leinster. So a couple of things for me with Ulster, they've shown glimpses of exactly what they can do. They really need to cement their partnership for halfback at 9 and 10 because I think that inconsistency yeah. is really killing them. Um, but Billy Burns, who said explicitly, uh, if memory serves me right, he got player of the match against Leinster. He did. Um, he made no bones about it that he wants to get back in an Ireland jersey. He needs to show consistency. I think the three kicks he did through, they were obviously all planned. I think that was, they, they confirmed that. The chip over the top, the grubber for the second and the crossfield kick. I think it was exceptional. They did their homework. They broke Leinster down and they executed the game plan. And their turnover to possession ratio was key, whereas Lancer had a lot more dominance and didn't really get over the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Brent is, is, is right. I think teams will now look at that as a blueprint and they're not the only team to have done no, it no. with the rush defence. But I also was thinking about this morning before we come on. It takes an awful long time to change a defensive philosophy, especially after the length that Stuart Lancaster were there. Um, he would have been a bit, I suppose, like... Um, meticulous so you could see that from the players everyone knew their job that's where the success from Leinster is it's going to take time to embed this new defensive philosophy yeah, there's still only five games in oh, under God. Jacques Nienenberg yeah and look I'm someone who lives on the edge but I know that I play with a lot of blue personalities and a blue personality I would think is is a dominant personality for, for Leinster which means that these are players that like a plan a plan to stick to so when you're trying to get people out of their comfort zone to buy into something that they're not used to or they're not comfortable in that takes time um, but I think when they get it right, um, I think it's going to be hopefully at the business. It's going to keep building. And at the business end of the season, when they need to lock down teams and really smother them, I think that's when the time is it, going to, they're going to need it. Look at, you know, they're changing combinations, you know, especially in the that's midfield. That's it, they've made 14 weekly. changes. So you've got to look at that as well. And, and, and that makes it even harder to buy into a new defensive system because some players are, are better at it. The internationals are better at it, adjusting pretty quickly on the hoof, you know, m- m- you know, Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw are well used to defending different ways. When you get new players or younger players into it, they just take a while to bet into what you're trying to achieve. But it is a way forward for other teams. You know, other teams will look at it a bit differently, like coming from the Southern Hemisphere, teams like the Crusaders will say, look, OK, put those little dinks in behind us. We're, we're able to counterattack mm-hmm. from those. So you take a bit of a risk also. I mean, the kicks come off for Burns last week and another day they might not come up. And even then... Given the dominance in that area, they still only won by a point in Leinster, actually. 
left a few points behind themselves. So it was a game that Leinster could have won mm. still with all their changes, and uh, but they didn't in the end. And I think it was just the momentum that's important for Ulster because you're right about Ulster against Connacht that you know while they got over the line, they made hard work of it. Uh, and they'll need to be better against Toulouse because Toulouse seemed to be one of the French teams still wanting to have a go at this uh, this mm-hmm. Trans-France Cup, unlike other teams that are languishing on the bottom of the French top 14. So that's more about their priority at this stage. But um, the team I feel most sorry for, I know to say, is, is Munster because to ship that many injuries, every mm-hmm. time they get anything like Ollie Jay, he could just come back in from New Zealand or whatever, he looked promising enough for the first couple of games, he's out. You know, then they've lost all their all their uh, players, all their key players, and looking for the rest of the season so early. And I think Graham Rountree has done a really good job in the media of kind of keeping behind his players and saying, look, we'll just keep pushing forward and keep introducing younger players and that. But it's hard when you pick a player out of club rugby, essentially with academies, and throw them straight into a, into a big match this weekend. They're going to have to do that. But I think that the learnings for Munster in that is is that you just keep producing a number of young players, you know, and which they've done. I mean, to me, we'll talk about the outstanding players. To me, the outstanding player of this year has been over all teams is Thomas Ahern. Preach. High, air high five, Brad. <laughs> I, I, I have a good... <laughs> do with my ego. But over the years, I've had a good eye for players. Going right back to Brian O'Driscoll, who I first coached in the Leinster A team years ago, and I remember going to Mike Ruddock at the time and saying, you've got to have a look at this kid. Not to say that had anything to do with Brian's <laughs> career. But I've had a good eye for players. I remember seeing... Um, uh, a couple of the Ulster players performing in months and I said, keep an eye on that guy and they all come to fruition. And it was Thomas O'Hearn last year when I watched him in that Leinster-Munster game where Munster won. He came on for about the last 10 minutes and said, mm. boy, this kid is good. You know, like he, he, he was more string bean sort of, and I didn't know. And I said, that guy has the speed or whatever and the ability and size to play at, at number six. And if you look at a guy that's six foot eight, six foot nine, where else in the world are you going to get a guy of that height it gives you another option in the lineup because then they can play another bigger guy like yeah. McCarthy, who's a bit shorter, in the power game because they have him his ability to, you know, rule the back of the line at a six foot nine and also be athletic enough. So he's going to be, you know, if he keeps the trajectories going on now, he's going to be a real fine for, for for not only Irish rugby for world rugby. I'm predicting that now that Thomas O'Hearn will force his way into some game some game time in the Six Nations and then move on from there. You know, so he'll be a big part of, of Ireland's plans in the future. Well, here's hoping he remains injury free because if we move on to Connacht and, Ulster, uh, Connacht and Munster now, and if we touch on the game first before we go into their injury crisis, because it feels like they're some kind of curse on Munster at the moment. Were you impressed with Connacht and how they went about their business to grind that one out on New Year's Day? Yeah, no, it was, again, terrible conditions in the sports ground, but it's nothing that Connacht, <laughs> Connacht supporters or Connacht players aren't used to. Um, but I thought they managed the game very well. They put uh, Munster under an awful lot of pressure. Tony Butler was starting at 10 and only his second senior start. You know, that's a big, big ask mm. in in an interprovincial derby where, you know, skin and hair is flying and, you know, Connacht were off the back of a couple of narrow losses and performances that, like Kim Prendergast had alluded to that they wanted to overturn. Um, and they're a very proud province, you know, and especially at home. So um, JJ Hanrahan as well. Again, it's nice to have the battle. Who do you put, put in? I, I'm certainly favouring JJ at the minute because of, of experience. He plays on the gain line. Some of his passes over the last few games put people in gaps. But his kicking as well is yeah. so reliable. And that's what Connacht have been missing, a reliable kicker. And Huge, they yeah. had 17 points from his boot on New Year's Day in those conditions. And... 
Yeah, and they pressed like look, they pressed uh, their try from from Jack Anger came from an overthrow at the at the line out and Munster really really struggled at set piece that day. And like you can't be, you know, turning over a line out on on the 5 meter just outside your 5 meter line like it's, you know, the ca- it it was catastrophic to them. Um so I thought Connacht were well well um were great value for the win to be honest managed the game well sure JJ I think had one from nearly halfway it was kind of yeah. he wanted to uh, emulate Mr Frawley so he, he did that and did that very well because it was not an easy kick the rain was just teaming against the camera um, so yeah I thought the, you know it was an exceptional performance and again I, I just don't want it to be a flash in the pan for them but again yeah. they're away to Leon um, I yeah. think is it this weekend and that's a really tough ask it's yeah. tough you know where Leon sit at the moment and they have interest in this competition as we know this year and also going away, going away to play in France at any time, at any time for any, any French for any <laughs> team is difficult. And I think, but I was pleased for Connaught in a sense that I think they needed that injection. I mean, I love what they're doing there. I love the the, the introduction of these young players that you look in the list and you say, okay, these young guys are getting their opportunities at Connaught. So I love what they're doing. And I mean, you really want them to do well, you know, for, for not only for Irish rugby but for Connaught rugby. But you know, these players that keep performing, I mean, Prendergast is another one. You know, I mean, like. Any other any other country in the world would love a guy like that mm. on the up and up. You know, now he's got a standing queue behind the likes of other players like even Ahern we're talking about as a number six. But, you know, yeah, Connacht deserved it. Munster, I think, probably the momentum kept getting deflated in a mm. sense that every time they tried to get into a position, they lost someone through injury. Yep. And, you know, there was that time spent in, in players and to go on, on and off the field, which is disruptive. But I didn't think they were particularly clinical. You know, when they had their opportunities and they were a bit narrow, they were a bit sort of, you know, they, they weren't prepared to go wide when they maybe should have to take a risk to get the tries. They tried to grind it over old Munster fashion way mm-hmm. and it just didn't work in those conditions because there was mistakes made all over the park. So it was a messy game. Even but Coombs, you know, yes. great block down. And then for some reason, I, I do think it was the just the momentum of a really greasy surface, yeah. but he should have just dived, got a fingertip to it. Any downward pressure, he would have scored. Yeah, and that I might think, have changed the whole nature of the game. Exactly, but, and it's it's defining moments for young players. I think we've spoken about that. But look, the positive thing for Munster, I think you're right, uh, Graham Tra- Rowntree is an excellent um, mm. manager. He's an excellent head coach. He's very much protecting his players. He's very much invested yeah. and behind his players, and that's huge. So it's a sign of a really good culture and a really good setup. Um, we wish everyone a speedy recovery. But the, the positive is, it wasn't too long ago that they're young guns that we now are speaking about, yeah. the Igdogbos. Um, Thomas O'Hearn at the start of the season come on as a sub if memory serves me right against Benetton mm-hmm. and absolutely drag Munster over the line. So there is potential and sometimes the naivety and just the gusto and enthusiasm of young players, they don't see any fear. So listen, it, it, we could unearth another next mo- Munster legend yeah. in, you know, unfortunate circumstances and look you have to go what it is and I think one thing is they'll go into a setup that is behind them do their best and that's all I think Graham Rowntree um, and Mike Prendergast and all and Dennis Leamy will ask them as well as their players so look it's not ideal but it could be something positive no, that's come it, out of it they take the long term view and I think that's uh, that's where we're quite right and that's where we're right to talk up the coaches because if they buy into the culture as much as the player, you'll get a lot of coaches around the world that will say, oh, we've got all these injuries and, and you know, we, we, you know, how can anybody expect? They're not saying that at all. They're sticking behind their players and they're saying, okay, look, these young guys get an opportunity and they've got to take it. That's the speak and, and, and it's good. But I, one player that's impressed me that I thought was, that I would have seriously sat on this, you know, 
panel six months ago and said, look, you know, what's he got to offer is Simon Zebo because he's been actually one of the better players over yeah. the last two games. And he really injects. I was just watching the game and thought, he's still got it. You know, he's still got this he's ability. He's still got the pace. He's yeah. still got the pace and, 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 you know, he's still got the ability to offload in certain situations. Fair play to him. You know, he could have come back and just taken the contract. Mm. I'm not saying that they would have respected that in, in months. But he'd done enough in months to earn the respect over the years. But, you know, he's really come on this year uh, in, in the last few matches because I thought, you know, when he, when they first got him back, I thought, oh, that Leinster game, I thought, oh, you know, people were even saying in the crowd, you know, what's Simon got to offer now, mm. you know. And he was probably their outstanding player in the day. Yeah, he did it? try save and tackle yeah. um, on that break with Luke McGrath and he put him out. And he has this charming confidence where yeah. he wasn't arrogant enough to kind of nearly you know say something exactly, in his ear but he exactly, walked away exactly. with a smile go I still Stop. got it baby yeah, yeah, I still, still got, got it, it. Oh, yeah. that was great I, yeah. I saw that you know, sort of walk away and say yeah. I'm not going to say anything because I'm not going to be that a-hole that berates other players when you made the tackle but he just sort of yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was like He's a little pad on that. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. Oh yeah, there's a charm. There's, there's a, a smirk in the yeah, yeah. way he plays and the way that everybody should play. Right? Yeah. yeah. But even taking the injuries into account, there's a lot that Munster can improve on that is within their control. And we saw how their lineout malfunctioned um, against Connacht. And Connacht has to be said are very good on the defensive side of the lineout yeah, as are. well. And um, so they put them under pressure. You have Nymeray and Darmeray in there, but. What can Munster do and what is causing these issues? Where is it going wrong? Because this line-out issue isn't something new. No, and we saw this actually with Ireland before the World Cup and it was probably an area we would have said, you know, like Paul O'Connell needs to look at his line-out and it's it's kind of malfunction where the scrum was doing so well under under uh, John Fogarty. And sometimes you have different line-out callers, you have different personnel. Obviously, your throwers then, you know, when you're incompetent and you're a hooker, I've never been a hooker, mm. um, <laughs> not in rugby anyway, but anyway, um, it, it is all about confidence. Do you know what I mean? And if the throws, if if then you don't want to not be confident in your throw, but if you know there's this, you know, there is a huge margin for error, they're not confident at the minute, it kind of questions you. And if the opposition win and disrupt a few lineouts, then again, it knocks the confidence and it's all about confidence. I think one thing I'd like to see is sometimes you just need to, if Bren's at the front of the lineout, you just have a yeah. get out ball. You don't actually have to throw anybody in the air. The most important thing with rugby and, and most sports, um, team sports, is possession and possession of the ball, especially in rugby. If you can just win and get confidence in, and even just that ball at the front of the lineout keeps the opposition guessing. But I think if they've done their homework and you're predictable and they know who your jumpers are, it's just easy to read. Some teams are good with movements, some teams aren't. Mm. So again, Munster probably need to look more about their opposition. Connacht are very good. It's one area they're probably dominant in. How can we negate their their superiority in that position area of the field and as I said just to get up ball and maybe just a trick play sometimes it's throwing someone up and it could be just someone going through a gap in the middle you know you're a 1-3-1 one, one split and someone's just going through the middle and a gap uh, putting someone else as your nine so just keep the opposition guessing and I think that's an area maybe they need to look at and just a bit of work and have a bit of variation yeah, well, how, how much would the change in personnel affect huge, huge. I was just going to say that like I thought that some of the commentators were quite I just think they're quite harsh on Munster at the end of the day because you make a really good point. They're talking about skill levels and all this. They should have better skill levels. But unless, you know, when you bring a, when you bring a, a replacement hooker in 
for the captain or whatever, mm. you know, Barrett, and, and he comes in at the last moment. He just doesn't get time to practice with the with with the players. Maybe maybe they should, and that's something they maybe look at. And they but say, the conditions but, as well. The conditions. So suddenly there you've got a, a guy coming out of a, a, a few caps for months, so coming through the academy or through the club system. Suddenly then you lose another player during the game. That's the line out caller. Maybe mm. you lose someone like Ollie Jager, who's a big lifter at his height. You start getting those constant disruption. Then the pressure comes back onto the hook. And it's a rainy, mucky day, and Connor, you know, especially the the, the brothers, they are really great at getting mm-hmm. up in the line. So it's not as easy as people think, just hitting someone in the air. There's yeah. a lot of skill that goes into it. But the point being with that is that I know myself, you know, working with a team, team people think that they have an amount of hours to work on this. Some of them don't, especially some of the replacement players, because. Some of the players, the key players might say, okay, I've, I've done enough training here or something like I'm off. Mm-hmm. So this other person's there thrown into a net or something like that. But so they don't w- have the bodies to no, train at the, the moment. They're looking at 20 players out injured exactly. before the Connacht game. I think it's up to about 23 now. So that's a full squad, really. And if what? golfers can get the gyps, yep. sure as hell rugby hookers can get the gyps because you miss your first couple, man. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the World Cup, you know, against South Africa, the first, you miss your first couple. Then it all goes to. Oh, it's just a small plan, and and Brent is it the intricacies of the lineout? Like again with the scrum, people aren't aware of because you can have Ollie Yeager if your backlifter takes all of your yeah. power. You know, if you miss a jump or your timing's off, some jumpers go straight from two feet. Some take a jump, a step yeah. forward. Um, sometimes it's easier to defend because the two lads, the two Murray brothers, just have to get up in exactly. the air. Mm-hmm. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Whereas the rest are doing timing. If someone's gotten the wrong call, the call hasn't gone to the hooker. Do you know, there's all these little margins that can, or little things can go wrong for you and it can really just, sometimes you just want to go, let's just forget the exactly. line out with stick to scrum. <laughs> go back to the old yeah. days, you just stood on a player's feet. Yeah. Will Monster need to look at medical jokers now at this point yeah. and where is the biggest need well, where do they start? I was just going to say, you where know, do we I mean, start? Well, it's everywhere. How do you plug the holes? Because there's so many positions to cover. It's not like you're saying, okay, well, look, we need another hooker. Yes, they need another hooker. Yes, they need another front row. I don't know what what's what's Jager's concussion. It's a well, he's definitely injury, going to be 21 days, isn't yeah. he? Because he got knocked out. 21 days. Yeah. Um, you know, they're probably a, a bit of stock in the back row, but. You know, you lose a couple of second rows. I don't know when Klein is 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 back. You know, like there's talk of Peter Omani being back shortly. I don't know if yeah, it's this week or be, next week. He's not going to be no. match fit. He's also under RFU yeah. contract. How much is he going to play in Six Nations? We're getting closer to that. Uh, the RFU will take precedence over any of the players um, if they need them managed. Especially oh, now, put together a back line, mm. but. It's up front. It's definitely the pack. The You're definitely yeah. looking at your front row because you cannot play yeah. without mm-hmm. without uh, having That's what two they in need each position. Forging, yeah, you know, like Salano is out as well, yeah. and like Alicia Yeager came in as the tight yeah, end. replaced I mean. him. So now they're missing two yeah, tight heads. Two tight heads. Really tricky few weeks for Munster. And looking at Europe now, if we look ahead to the Champions Cup, Leinster are comfortable. They're top of Pool 4. Uh, they welcome start to the Aviva on Saturday and they failed to win their first two rounds of the of the Champions Cup. So Leinster are in a good position, Brent. Oh. Um, they're on track for a home advantage for the round of 16 and the quarterfinals. Is this, <laughs> same old, same old. <laughs> is this a straightforward enough win for them? Yes, I think so. I think that, you know, Stad have probably lost interest as some of the French teams do over the years, as we know, especially coming away at Leinster. They'll give it a go for mm. 
30 or 40 minutes, see if they're in the game. But then I suggest that they go back to their priority now becomes the French top 14. And that's the disappointing thing always over the years of the Heineken Cup and the European Cup and the Champions Cup, whatever name you want to call it, has been when some French teams think that they're out of it, they don't fight particularly hard. They just say, look, okay, that's not our priority anymore. If, you know, Ron Ogara was different with La Rochelle because he brought that ethos and that we want to win those championships. But even then, now, in the mm. position they're at, he's going to be looking at saying, OK, no, what my boss wants at the end of the day is a, is a French top 14 title. That's what all the, the, the sugar daddies of French rugby, that's what they want most. And then the European Cup follows after that. But we've still got interest from teams like Toulouse. That'll be a tough game for Ulster. But I think less Leinster. You'd have to. It's just who selects to select because there's a lot of players on 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 form there. It's, you know who's the, who's their best side and who's you know. their out half because we saw four really out oh. half since the start of the season. Who will they stick with now? And did anyone is anyone ahead at this point? I do feel Frawley needs consistency for me. Well, they need to just make a decision and stick with it because whoever it is the same with Harry Byrne he was probably guilty of well it's hard to come off the bench again in really tough conditions but I think he missed a conversion against Ulster and then the last kick of the game and again that's they're just small moments it's not down on his shoulders at all but again for me it comes back to the consistency at 10 like Frawley that day played 12 did he he's Mm -hmm. played 12 he's played 15 15, he's playing 10 Um, now Leo Cullen did say that Frawley was due to be rested that um, last week but that he came in as cover for Jimmy O'Brien because Jimmy got injured so I think they were looking at him um, to be rested maybe yeah. with an eye on this weekend I don't know see Keen Prendergast again he, like Sam or Sam sorry, sorry yes, yeah. is Keen's brother Sam um, I thought he did he did so well again I think it's just he needs game experience you know and he's probably the closest thing again the little things that Frawley does so well at 10 is he just plays that ball on the gain on. He's able to put people in. Um, big thing for me as a forward, I've said this consistently, is a 10 who moves, who keeps the defensive line moving back because if they just stand there and pass the ball, and that's exactly what Sam Prendergast does, is he moves along and he's always looking to either find a gap himself or put someone else in a gap. He's not afraid to kick. And he just has this, I just thought his confidence was in an Irish under 20 jersey, but it's certainly filtered in and he's he's a guy who backs himself. Again, not in a cocky way, he just, he knows how to play the game and he's not afraid to show that. But whoever they go with, I think consistently now, personally, I would like to see, um, Frawley has to have experience, Frawley and Harry Byrne for me, like Keen Prent, or Sam, sorry, <laughs> if he's going to be in, he's going to be on the bench. But I think yeah, I suppose it might be a game they might try it because without being disrespectful to Stade Francais, mm. it's Leinster is still all to play for and, and they're kind of really far behind now in a really tough pool. So do you try him on the bench and then pick? I'd play him. What would you do, Brent? I'd play him. I think he's... Just he deserves about, it, doesn't I, he? I, I talk about a Hearn. I like Prendergast. Yeah. I think he's a super bit of stuff as well. And I think you can build. I think you can build a future around this player. I, he like. I think he is everything. Mm, I'd have does. to say he's very much. He's very much in the mold of Johnny Sexton. He's tall. He kind of a languid style. He's confident. You know. He. It, he's got that arrogance you need in an, an half half that he's strutting his stuff. He's a younger guy. You know the way he came on and took those conversions. Mm. They were difficult ones in conditions. Didn't worry him. He he attacks the line. He's a good defender. You know, I think he's everything, and I think you're right about whoever it is. And that would be a bit that would be a bit unlucky because I think you know, Frawley is probably 
played in too many positions now. They've got to give him, a, a, you know. So they'll probably go with him. But I would, I would give Prendergast a, a, a match at another level and mm. see how he goes because I think you're right. I think they they'll, they'll win this regardless. And that's not being cocky or arrogant mm-hmm. as far as Lensick, but you'd have to think that they'll beat Stamp and say at home. And I think it's the perfect opportunity to see that Prendergast gets another match and see how he goes because I was hugely impressed with his performance against Ulster. Yeah. In conditions coming on, he ran the back line. He was part of team spirit. You saw him talking to other yeah. players, hugging other players, all that sort of thing into the mix. That's That shows maturity in a player. And I mean, I, they've discovered another... And that hugely involved for that. I think it was a Rob Russell oh, try. Oh, the, 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 yeah, the flick the off the ground. Oh, such... Like, he's classy. He's, he's classy. classy. He's a classy player. Yeah. But you're... I mean, but like Dan Carter and that in New yeah. Zealand, some stage you've got to take a chance, these players. And I mean, even going back to, to Dan, I mean, he was surprised at anybody that they that they replaced him, the Crusaders, at number 10. And he just and they said, no, we've got to give him time in, in the jersey, if that's who they decide. Unfortunately, I think... He's come along at the very worst time for someone like Harry Byrne, who also deserves his opportunity and also shouldn't be judged on those couple of sound bites last week because it is hard to come off oh, the very hard, position yeah. in a cold, wet day when you're sitting around there snug mm-hmm. and warm. Suddenly you're going to come on and, 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 and kick for goal and, and, and position the kick. But I think that Prendergast is a bit like her and I just see something in this. Would game. you start him? Yeah, I would. I would. I'd probably start him as well. I agree with you. Um, I'd I take the risk in this I'd game. I'd take the risk. It's a game they can afford yeah. to. Harry is probably then going to be on the bench with them. I don't know because see, Frawley is a jack well, of all he trades. Covered, he he, he covers so much, and that's why he's going to be probably on the bench. He if has he's said that he enough. he's his preferred position is ten. Ireland see him as a ten. Is there any option of him? Would he move to another province to get that game time at ten? When you're looking at the backup st- slots to be filled behind Crowley and the Six Nations around the corner. I think um, considering the inexperience that is left at Munster and, and Joey Carby's obviously out again on his wrist, I think his better position is probably 15 for Joey. But look, th- we had the same conundrum at Munster last year. Who would you play between those two? I like Frawley. I really do. I think, mm. again, he's a classy player. He's big. He attacks the gain line. He offers so much. He's a smart rugby player. He started off the season so well and now the poor chap has left kind of with the decision is everyone's telling him 10 but he's not he, he's, yeah, not he's not going to get chance. it really at Leinster because Harry Byrne can't play anywhere else and neither can Sam Prendergast so they're out now 10s whereas Raleigh can play anywhere and that's the unfortunate bit of being so skilled yes. is now his Achilles heel and yeah. that's the unfortunate bit for the champion. No it is I mean he's a super player but look he'll get his opportunity I mean look at where all you're talking about injuries or something like that but I think you're right you know I think Raleigh will have a lot to play in the Six Nations mm-hmm. I think that you know, given that his ability to play in a number of positions, he's, he's the ideal bench player, yeah. and even though he doesn't want to hear that, but he wants to start. They've just got a time that Andy Farrell just to say, look, we need to give him some. Look, they've got, I agree entirely, they've got to give some out half, whether yeah. it's Byrne, Prendergast, Frawley, they've got to, or Crowley, they've got to give him time in the jersey to yeah. develop. Now, who is that player? First of all, it's, it, it's Crowley, obviously. Mm. He's the number one spot. Who has the number two spot at the moment? I don't know. I don't know. I, I you know. 
And then we've Ross Byrne coming back. He'll be due to come back. Yeah, Ross Byrne, I mean, you, you, we're just talking before we come on here. I mean, Irish rugby at this stage is in a state like none other. I, I don't know about South African rugby. I don't know about their strength and depth at the moment after the last World Cup. And, and, and also, but they're up there with France and South Africa in the sense of how many players I've got available. Mm. Look at players we haven't even mentioned. Look at Will Connors and that coming back <laughs> and that chopped down tackles against La Rochelle. Look at McCarthy, who's been extraordinary. Absolutely, sublime. I mean, you know... Look, Hard. You know, <laughs> He's another athlete. Look, look at these players: Ahern, Beard. You know these young guys coming through. Even the 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 guys in Connacht, like so many big players at other teams. Like I know in New Zealand rugby, they're searching around for anybody that's over about six foot six or six foot seven that can play in the second row. Yeah. To replace Whitelock and and Brody Retallick, you know they can't find players. Island of a sleuth of them. Yeah. We're going to have to move some of the forwards out to the back yeah. line, I think. But imagine the size, imagine the <laughs> size of the pack. Once you take a few players at the Imagine moment. the size of the pack that, uh, that that Ireland could put out against now, against France. If you went for the biggest men in every position, if you had Beard on the side mm. or whatever, you had Will Collins there, who's about, what, 6'5", or whatever. You had a Hearn there sneaking around at 6'9". You had these... My God, you're looking at a gargantuan pack. And that was always Ireland's problem over the years, was that they couldn't, you know, even when you look at a guy like Oli Jag, I mean, he's about 6'5 and about 130 kgs. Like, if you had you the know. odd tall Irish player, you were like, oh, geez, yeah. what did the mother feed <laughs> him right. when he was exactly. young? You know, now you're like, gonna throw wow, it to, we you have know. a whole heap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> whole heap of them. Um, yeah. Looking at Munster, they only have one win in their last six games and next up is Toulon away. Um, not an easy task for Munster. What do they do now? How do they manage the next few weeks? Do they put Europe aside and focus solely on the URC or how will they manage their squad? No, I think give Europe a crack while they can because yeah. I think there's still a long season ahead to catch up in the URC. We saw that with them before Christmas last year. We were talking about the mm. detriment of Munster Rugby and it's dying and next fall. All these young lads just had time. They buy in. They had self-belief, confidence and next fall they took off and they won their title in, what, 10 years? First title in 10 years. So they still are the reigning URC champions. I think right now, concentrate in Europe, get everyone you can back put in a performance it's never easy like Toulon won the mm. Challenge Cup last year if against Glasgow am I right with that so um, they're, <laughs> they're a team steeped in history I mean it's not an easy place to go to yeah. um, but look I think if any teams always you know undermine the script that they've been given is Munster Rugby and I think hopefully this weekend won't be anything different Yeah Toulon are bottom of their pool yeah with very little chance of qualifying. But as Lindsay said, they're coming up against them at home. Is it's a home. huge task. Mm. It's home. And I remember talking to a lot of my friends that I played with have gone on to coach in, in France. And it's just this mentality of... It's even when you look at the, 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 French, the French top 14. Teams never win away. You no. know, they always win at home. And they, they, they win away... Uh, only once or twice a season that gets them into the top eight and then they then they go from there but so the mentality from the French players is concerned is look you never lose at home if Munster were playing if Munster were playing Toulon and Thelman Park you would give Munster a chance you'd mm -hmm. say look it'll be one of these performances where they're up against the wall and you know they come out fighting and they get a win Toulon away with a kind of cobbled together Munster side I think it's not impossible, but it's getting pretty close to impossible. But I think I agree with Lindsay in saying that that's what they've actually got to play for this weekend. They've got to get that mentality back. They've got to get that pride back. And then they whatever happens, happens. And then look to say, OK, how can we back up last season's late run 
in the URC and how can we do that again when we get the players back. So I think that's the way that they should look at this season. Go out and give it everything they've got this weekend as if it's a final because it mm. basically is for them. And then what happens, happens, and then sit down after that and review it and say, when are the players coming back? When can we put together? Because if you look at the team that they you thought they could have put out at one stage with Steinman and Klein and mm. Omani and Coombs and all these players, you thought, wow, I thought, hold on, Crowley's now got the bit between his teeth. They have a good back line. Nankerville's come in and played well. Frisch is there. Nash, these players. And they have a real good tilt at the Champions Cup. Yeah. Bang. Injuries yeah. to all those players. And suddenly you're looking at it from a whole different perspective. But I'd love to see Munster fight it out this week. And I'd love to see them beat Toulon. It'll be a hard ask. But if any team can do it, they can do it. But yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think Lindsay's then. point about the URC, it's a good point because although they're in 10th in the URC, they have a run of home fixtures, fixtures coming yeah. up and they will pick up points there, you would imagine. And there's only, it's so tight in the league at the moment. There's only, I think, four points between 10th and 4th place. Hugely. So they could easily, yeah. one win, and they could easily yeah. jump up. And as Brent was saying, it's so important for them, for their confidence now to get this momentum going and to get that win under their belt because Roundtree said they're in a rush. They need to just move move forward now. How convinced are you by what you've seen glimpses of in their performances that they'll be able to get the job done? So I think we need to probably really strip back to performance um, this weekend and that's doing the basics extremely well. Um, the problem with having a lot of really experienced forwards out of your pack is that the forwards, um, they, they build that platform, whether that's at set piece or just winning gain line carries for those really expansive backs that, that Brent has, the Shane Daly's, the Calvin Ashes, the Frisch's, the Nankavels, who are really able to then get into space and really do make the magic happen, I suppose. So what I'd like to see from them is just Get your get the ball, keep possession, keep winning gain line, get your set piece correct. If that's functioning, there's every chance that they will beat Chilon. If that goes, you know, yeah, upside it's a down. Tough set piece game though, isn't in Toulon because that yeah. you can you, you can be assured Toulon will roll out the the the. the heavies, you know, the the the, the pie eaters, you know, from the front row or something. Mm. They'll see uh, Munster's Achilles heel, not through any fault of their own, through injury wise they'll see their Achilles heel will be in the front row mm. and in the line out. Can you put that right in in, in a week or so, two weeks? The break I, would have helped be getting it'll bodies be, back. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be game management as well and speed of the rook. I think that'll be key as well. That's one thing that served them very well because you want to move big big teams around, create gaps for yourself. Yeah. You don't want to get in an arm wrestle. When we say set piece, you just want to win your own ball. You just don't want to be getting... You do you not need to get into the referee's no, so bad Who will they welcome back from the tight five? Will they get anybody back from injury? Well, I'm open to correction on, on Jaeger. I know he was knocked out yeah. and that makes it a difference for the return to play because yeah. professionally they can be back quicker you manage symptoms exactly. and you can do your I don't know how play. far Niles Scannell is from coming back is he groin shoulder they're not going to risk them either I said there's so many long term injuries Klein's not there's no chance of him being back Klein is eye and uh, Snyman is shoulder isn't it so Snyman yeah. is still so of course out. for March so. yeah. but I mean you know they can plug that gap a, a, a little bit but they probably have more uh, Tomaher and Candle and yeah. could come in at back row yeah. uh, and then keep Coombs in the second yeah. row. He'll add a bit of weight there for you because your second row, your your back five really give but that power. Then who's out too, of course. Yeah, his knee. They're waiting to see if he's going to have surgery. So, I mean, there's not many Le options. Gleason. But John Ryan and yeah. Stephen Archer are two very yeah, experienced experience, players at experience. tie head and your tie head is, is probably your key 
key position but in the front row. You're asking them to run out a lot Absolutely. of game time away from home. Yep. Look, can they do it? We, yes, we they believe. can. We know, and we really want them to do it. But still, in my book, you know, for calling from neutral, it, it'll be a really mm. tough ask. And it'll be one of the really good performances if they do it. And game management will be yeah. key because I think that's what has poor decisions, poor execution, yeah. bit of indiscipline has really crept in. And that's where, like, we're not talking about the performance side of things. We're actually talking about the results. And there has been glimpses, really, really Absolutely. good glimpses of performances. They just need to piece that together in yeah. one really yeah, consistent crossed. reel. I'd yeah. love for them to win that yeah. match. Yeah. A tough task for Connacht, as you mentioned earlier. Earlier, Brent, they're away to Leon. They'll take a lot of confidence from that monster win. Their chances in Europe really to, qual- to qualify from their group is slim because they have Bordeaux in that group as well, Bristol Bears. Um, how do you see Connacht in Europe at the moment? Do they look out of their depth? Oh, going on the first two rounds, yeah. Um, it's just a speed of pace, like against um, Bordeaux, my God, now Bordeaux were absolutely sublime. They have been really mm. one of the standout teams in the first two rounds. So are we being unfair in Connacht? They definitely looked out of their depth that day, but I'm not sure many teams wouldn't have against a team who were kept the ball moving. It never, it was rarely on the ground. It never even went to a rook. Like even your front row replacements were kind of doing like chicken wings at the yeah. back. It was ridiculous. Um, so I think Connacht needs to decide their personnel and what style they want to play. But going away to Leon, who's second in the table in France, who are well able to play. Um, I think they just need a consistent performance. And when they do have possession is to manage their manage their game plan and get scores. So every time they come into the 20 opposition's 22, that they're doing something positive. And if you could come away with a score, look, you'd love to come away once every second visit Mm -hmm. coming away with a score. But that's unrealistic. I think sometimes one in three, you'd be happy. Do you know, and even getting into the opposition 22 and continue to build positives. I don't think they're going to win personally, but if they can have a consistent performance and show glimpses again of the patches of really good performances over the last couple of weeks and put that in consistently, I think they'll just build on the confidence they, they would have had from the last win against Munster. And finally, Ulster, they're three wins on the bounce now. They'll be confident at home against Toulouse, but it's never an easy task coming up against the French side. No, and a Toulouse again are a side that you know have expressed real interest in this competition. You know, they the, the the record holders or whatever. But again, you know, not many teams like going to Belfast to play, and also are pretty tricky at home. I think they'll also take a lot of confidence out of those two performances, albeit not perfect as we know, and slim enough wins. But I mean. Yeah, they'll have real purpose about their game and, uh, you know, they'll welcome back an, another couple of players. Tim Lee, whatever, at number eight is having a fantastic yeah, he's having season. He's another player that's really stepped up this year. I agree with what you said before, Lindsay. I think they're a bit undecided. You could just see uh, Burns' body language when he was replaced for Doak because mm. uh, thinking that, no, he's coming on for Cooney and then yeah. he'd be told, no, he's coming on for you. He was thinking, hold on, I'm man of the match here. Yeah. You know, what are we placing? So I don't think that helped kind of team spirit. You'd look for little things like that, that he was shaking his head and really want to have a go at the coach, I'm sure, after and saying, why did you yeah. replace him? So I think they're still undecided to what their best combinations are at nine and ten. And that's a bit nervy for me. Um, but I think you're going to expect a lot from their big game players. McCluskey's having a good season. You know, Hume comes into, it. you know, all these players, you know, they're coming back to some form. So that'll be a tight game. But I could see Ulster winning that one, actually at home and that will put them onto a good road uh, for the French Champions Cup. Yeah, um, do you agree, Lindsay? They've Harlequins after that. When I'm sitting here going, you have the likes of Cyril Boy, Anton Dupont, Gillange, uh, 
It'd be a tough ask. Yeah. Personally. Um, I'm a very big fan of DuPont. I'm a very big oh, fan yeah. of the style of how to, lo- uh, he, to lose he, play. He's the French number nine, isn't he? Uh, he might be. He might, <laughs> some people might know, might not. He's just going to, you know, uh, nonchalantly <laughs> switch to sevens no, for no, the Olympics. How interested is he going to be? I don't know. I've just, I've just looked at this gut feeling that they've done it before. You know, I've just had this gut feeling for some reason getting down to the sort of atmosphere down there and, and, and everybody, you know, kicking up every mistake and then I, I, I just see something else to, uh, they'll get the job done I don't know why I well just... do you know what uh, I've been hard enough on them right and there's I, if if there's a real turning point in their season over the last two games then it, it needs to be this mm-hmm. win and I think you've kind of touched on something that you know has been this burning question in everyone's eyes how can we can see glimpses of absolute sublime pieces of rugby from Ulster some weeks and then the next is this petulant attitude so is it a case you're trying to manage egos and they're just not getting that right and you're just really getting everyone to buy in they all need to buy in there needs to be a game plan there mm-hmm. needs to be the right selection and absolutely I think it could be either a really fast fantastic win or they could be an absolute annihilation I think it's I think that's just the One team the they other. are yeah. they're just w- black or white I well, don't think there's an game, image isn't it? I was just thinking the other day you can stay on the couch from about midday to about 12 <laughs> 12 that <laughs> yeah, night I watched it yeah it's one, get, one Irish game after the other called, I'm looking at the times and okay watch that match and then oh, okay, I think well, it's Connacht yeah. Munster yeah. Leinster yeah. and Ulster yeah. and a quick walk in yeah. in between oh listen get out early lads and get on the couch you know like I'm not married I don't have kids so I can sit up on the couch you lucky thing before we finish up very quickly the Six Nations is four weeks away that's where New Year's starts really for mm. people <laughs> um, terrible news today that Mike Hansen has been ruled out of the Six Nations he's been ruled out for four months but looking at the bright side of things for younger players or other players who would be looking to take their chance and grasp that opportunity who do you think would be looking to fill in to Mike Hansen's slot now? Um Jacob Stockdale, I'd say, is kind of itching, even though he's been there, you know, he's been there, won the jersey. But, you know, he's he's shown glimpses now over the last couple of weeks. Still a question mark over his defence. Um, I'd really like to see Calvin Nash in I'd re- and Shane Daly. I'd really like to see them even in camp having an opportunity. I think they've really built from Shane Daly, obviously crossing over from sevens. And Calvin Nash got his opportunity in that in that. Um, Jimmy O'Brien. Development Scott, Jimmy, I, I love Jimmy O'Brien. Um, I think he's guaranteed. To be honest, um, it's now can he cement that place down? Hopefully, the injury isn't too bad. No one's mm. really given much about it. But um, yeah, Jimmy's definitely in the squad for me. It's now can he replace it? But I think players to look out for who could be ones to maybe take that jersey. They're the ones I'd like to to like to see. Um, for me now, definitely on the wing because there's actually a lot of like James Lowe hasn't been back since no. the World Cup. No. Um, so, so yeah, definitely on the wing. Will we see much of a muchness when it comes to team selection from Andy Farrell? Or you mentioned a few players earlier. Have they done enough to um, merit inclusion? Hopefully. I think a year after the World Cup and a year after especially the disappointment of the World Cup is, is, is a strange one to navigate. But I think that, as I said before, Ireland in a really good place with their players coming in so I would like to see him obviously he'll pick the stronger side to to, to win mm. that game I think Ireland will win another Grand Slam I think that it just comes down to a match the one against France and I think France are, are obviously going to be missing a couple of key players albeit away France but, at uh, home on opening night yeah though. I know I know but I mean I, we're I, all about new new philosophies this <laughs> yeah, year new philosophy I'm new year new be, philosophies I'm, you know I predicted a couple of years that Ireland won the Grand Slam and I predicted again now 
Okay, you know, the French will have something to say about that, I know. I just think that Ireland are in a really good place. I think that their players are really performing. I think there's a number of selection decisions that Andy Affair have to make. But what I would like to see him do in this cycle is try a couple of these young guys mm -hmm. and agree with, with, with if it's Nash or Daly or if it's Balakoon or if it's one of these players, give these young players a, a chance to show what they can do. And that's why I'd like to see at some stage during the, the, the whole tournament the likes of O'Hearn, Prendergast, these guys being given a run out uh, because the next World Cup will be up upon you earlier than you think. And so it's getting these players up to speed, give them a few caps, let them see what they can do at that level. But uh, unfortunately, I'll be back in New Zealand to watch it, so I'll have to get up old-fashioned times in the middle we'll of the morning. We'll have to Zoom, you know, just to keep in. Zoomy, yes, because it'll be interesting. I'll have to be going to a local Irish pub or something in Christchurch to watch the, the Irish matches. <laughs> oh, you poor uh, thing. Look, I, I know, that. in the summer, you know, I'll come from the swimming pool and the cocktails oh, to, to the Six Nations. But it'll be the first Six Nations I would have missed for, you know, going back 30 years. But uh, I think you'll be, be okay, though, Brent. Just send some sunshine our way, yeah. will But I think you're not going to have, you're not, look, let's face it, you're not going to get a lot of threats from, from, I don't think, from Wales, England and Scotland this year. I think they're just behind the kind of wheel as development process, especially probably England and, and, and Wales. Although I see uh, England secured that winger from Wales. Ryan Gatlin won't be happy with that. No, he won't. <laughs> well, you, we, go on, sorry, Lindsay. No, I think... Will Reese Ruddock play for Wales? I know. I was just going to say that. What do you think? Well, I think again, he should. Actually. He should. You know what? He's. He he's I see him there as like kind of giving on water, and you're like, this lad. Oh, wow! What a servant. such a player. Oh, yeah. What a servant. Nice guy. You, yeah. Never you know. see him like with a bad word to say. He's always so supportive, and he's, he's always guy. doing the dirty work. My yeah. God! And he's such a season last season in and out. Never underperformed. You know when he was given the opportunity, and you know what? He probably deserves. He's to the have one a legacy. player. You make a point. He's the one player that no one would begrudge him. No. If you did that, you would have everybody saying fair play of him. His father coached uh, Wales, played for Wales. B. He wants to see him in a red jer mm. jersey as part of pride, family pride. Go ahead and do it, Reese. You know, like if you get an opportunity to do it. I know it's a stopgap. Thirty-three. Doesn't matter. So what it's, a lovely send off for yeah. a player that's given yeah. so much back. And he to never underperforms. Never no, underperforms. So consistent. And then obviously Kieran, his brother, is, is involved in, as the SNC and has exactly. you know no so brilliant. another great guy I believe. So look, the best of luck to him. But Go it's for it. it'll be I'm interesting saying. for this six nations. Kind of like what do Ireland want? Do we want another Grand Slam or do you want to now develop it in? And I think it's trying to balance that. But I I think we'll see a good few of the younger lads coming up and who've performed and deserve that. I think yeah. Andy Farrell's not a man who 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 stands on merit, he'll, he'll give anyone an opportunity yeah. who he deserves. But realistically, you know, let's yeah. let's call a spade a spade. Realistically, it comes down to that one match now, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, France, it yeah. Come, yeah. Absolutely. It does, really. Yeah. And that's unfortunate to say about the whole competition because I, I want to hark back to the days where this was a competition where any team could beat any other team. But mm. realistically, Italy aren't going to beat you know, they might get a win against Scotland. We're hoping they'll get one win. <laughs> hoping they'll get a win or something. But I think I think, the Grand, Ireland, yeah. I think the Grand Slam comes down to that match. I do, I'd have yeah. to say, you know. Yeah, you know well. Whether Ireland win it, whether France win it, I think the winner of that game will... Go on and win it, yeah. Yeah, go on and win it. A few exciting weeks ahead. We'll have to leave it there for today. My thanks to Brent and to Lindsay. We'll be looking in depth at the Six Nations over the coming weeks, but we'll be back again next week to look back on round three of the Champions Cup. Until then, from all of us here, Slonga Fole. Sports Show presents House of Rugby.